Welcome to the Transformation Church Podcast, where we're leading people into a transforming relationship with Jesus. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you a fresh perspective on God and His Word so you can see transformation in your own life. Enjoy the message. So what we're going to do here in a moment is we're going to play a video. During that video, we're going to do a couple of things for setup, and then Pastor Ryan is going to come, and he's going to preach part four of Transform, TLH. Pay attention to the screens. Would you give me a drink? That bad, huh? What? You, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan, and a woman? I'm sorry. I should have said please. I'd still like a drink of water if you can spare it. Amazing what a parched throat will do. Aren't I unclean to you? Won't you be defiled by this vessel? Maybe some of my people say that about your women, but I don't. Yeah? And what do you say? I say if you knew who I am, you'd be asking me for a drink. Really? And I would give you living water. Would. Except that you have nothing to throw water with, and this is a deep well. Besides, what do you need from me if you have your own supply of living water? Long story. But Jewish water is better than Samaritan water. Hmm? That's not what I said. Are you a better man than our ancestor Jacob, who dug this well? Your water is better than his? I know Jacob. And everyone who drinks this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. Wouldn't that be nice? The water I give will become in a person a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Really? Yes, really. Prove it. First, go and call your husband then come back. I will show you both. I don't have a husband. You are right. You've had five husbands. And the man you're living with now is not your husband. <laughs> oh, I see. You're a prophet. You're here to preach at me. No. Usually the one good thing about coming here alone is I can escape being condemned. I'm not here to condemn you. I've made mistakes. Too many. But it's men like you who have made it impossible for me to do anything about it. How? Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews insist Jerusalem is the only place for true worship. They say that because the temple is there. Yeah, exactly where we're not allowed. I'm here to break those barriers. And the time is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. So, where am I supposed to go when I need God? I've never received anything from God, but I couldn't thank him even if I did. Anywhere. God is spirit. And the time is coming and is now here. That it won't matter where you worship, but only that you do it in spirit and truth. Heart and mind, that, that is the kind of worshiper he's looking for. It won't matter where you're from. 
اور وہ چوفتن ڈو یو بلیو وٹ آئی ایم ٹیلنگ یو You are the first. It would be good if you believed me. You picked the wrong person. I came to Samaria just to meet you. <laughs> Do you think it's an accident that I'm, I'm here in the middle of the day? I am rejected by others. I know. But not by the Messiah. So good, so good. Hey, did you enjoy the, uh, the interview with uh, Bethany? Yeah, isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? I, I just, um, I get so encouraged to know how God is using our obedience uh, in giving to impact people's lives, to begin new chapters in people's story uh, that God is writing um, with people that you and I will most likely never come in contact our paths will most likely never cross. And uh, it just never gets old. This, um, I heard this said somewhere, and it just never gets old, that our obedience can be somebody else's miracle. And uh, as we are faithful in, in our giving, uh, and as we as a church are a conduit of what God blesses us with, we bless others. Um, it's just, it's crazy exciting to know uh, that our simple obedience can be somebody else's uh, miracle. Well, today uh, we are concluding our series called Transform TLH. We've been um, digging into the, the encounter of, um, of Jesus with a woman at the well in John chapter 4. And um, kind of the idea of this series is we've been digging into um, really four distinct experiences that this woman had um, with Jesus. And, um, and what we've kind of said from the very beginning is that the same four experiences that she had, 
that Jesus desires that each of us have. And so we've been kind of going on this journey every week, kind of breaking down each one of those experiences. Today, I get to kind of wrap it all up. I get to put a bow on it today. And so today I've entitled um, my message today, Wake Up and Look Around. Wake up and look around. Why don't you look at somebody, tell them to wake up, start shaking them. Say, wake up, wake up. Yeah, wake up. And, uh, and then turn to your second choice. Tell them, look around, look around, look around. Wake up and look around. Well, let's, uh, let's say our prayer together as we prepare our heart. Just repeat this with me. Father, as I open your word today, speak to me. May I have ears to hear, a heart to receive, and the courage to respond. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you got your Bible, uh, turn with me, and let's not go there yet on the screens, but turn with me to John chapter 4, and uh, we're going to pick up in verse uh, 27. Uh, we've kind of covered the, um, the verses beforehand in the previous weeks. If you're kind of dropping in for the first time, maybe you're a guest today, hey, welcome. Uh, we're so excited that you're here today. Uh, but we've been looking at this, um, I said so excited. I don't mean that by what uh, Christina had mentioned earlier, that it's disingenuous and that we don't mean it. Um, <laughs> but uh, we really are excited that you're, uh, that you're here today. But um, yeah, there we go, yeah. Um, but we've been looking at this woman at the well, the Samaritan uh, woman, and kind of a little kind of snapshot of, of her life. Um, she's made some poor choices along the way. And uh, these poor choices have led to, uh, to her having a reputation. It's led to the community that she lives in, like looking down upon her. In fact, she has been an outcast in her community. And uh, she has this encounter with Jesus at the well. And what, what's so fascinating about this encounter is that um, she comes to the well to, to get water, which everybody in those days did uh, once or twice a day. And so she comes to the well in the middle of the day. Now, what makes that um, important to know is that usually they would go in the morning or they would go in the evening when it was cooler. And so the fact that she would come in the middle of the day speaks a little bit about her reputation. It speaks a little bit about how people viewed her, that she didn't want to have to deal with um, all the other women in the community looking down at her and in the slanted eyes and all that kind of stuff. And so she just felt like, hey, I'm going to go when nobody else goes. And she, she goes to the well and unexpectedly has an encounter with Jesus. And what's really cool about the story is that it says in the beginning of the chapter that Jesus goes out of his way. Like he could have gone another direction, but he goes out of his way to have an encounter with this, with this woman. And what makes this encounter even more shocking is that Jesus breaks all the, the cultural norms of the day and has this encounter with this woman. And this encounter will change her life forever. Here, this woman calloused and hardened on the outside from all that she had experienced and the ramifications of, of her bad choices, her poor choices. And Jesus looks through the hardened exterior of this woman's life and begins to read her mail. 
begins to call out some of the things in her life that's happening and, and, and ends up looking at her and saying this, saying, listen, I am the Messiah. And so then we pick up in verse uh, 27 after this exchange with this woman. And, and it says this in verse 27, it says um, that just then his disciples, well, they come back. Now, why are they coming back? Like here Jesus is at the well with this woman having this interaction and reading her mail. And then all of a sudden as the two of them are there, the disciples come back. And, and I think Jesus sent the disciples away when he first got there because he understood that the disciples would get so hung up on Jesus's methods of breaking the cultural norm and having a conversation with this woman at the well that Jesus was concerned that it would put his mission at risk. And it began, I began to kind of think and process through that this week. And I just had the stirring in my heart that may we never be a church that gets so caught up in how we do things, right? that we miss out on what God has called us to do. And so we see in this verse 27, as they, they come back, look what it says, that, that they were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them, look at this, none of them had the nerve. None of them had the nerve to ask Jesus, what are you doing with her? Like, why are you out here at the well all by yourself with this woman that obviously has a background, that obviously comes from a culture that we don't typically have anything to do with? And I find that encounter so interesting. And, and so here... Um, this woman is, um, she's got this amazing encounter. The disciples come back. Jesus, what are you doing? Um, this woman's life gets touched by Jesus. And the next scripture in verse 28 says, shows what this woman does in that moment. She leaves her water jar beside the well and she runs back to the village telling everybody. Now I find a couple things in that verse interesting. The first one is, is that she left the very thing that she came there with. She came with the jar, with um, a desire to fill it with water. And here she has such an encounter with Jesus that she leaves it behind. And I could tell you why she leaves it behind, because the encounter that she had with Jesus made everything else in her life seem insignificant. She came to the well as a woman who was marked by pain, but she leaves the well as a woman marked with purpose. So much so that she couldn't just like casually just kind of walk to the town, but she ran, the scripture said, like, like it was such an experience that she had with Jesus that she had to go tell people. And this is what she does in verse 29. She's like, come and see. Like, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. And that's, that's interesting in and of itself because most of us are not like, come and see this man who has like totally taken all my dirty laundry out and hung it out for everybody to see. But she's like, he's told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? 
And in verse 30, it says, so the people, they came streaming from the village to see him. I think of that word streaming, like it's not just a few people just casually like, oh, let's go see what Jesus is doing at the well. No, it is a group of people that are just, they, you, could, you could picture it in your mind, like streaming up from the village to come and to see him. And to me, what really fascinates me about this part of the, the story is that this woman who endured such hardship, like she had a painful past to the point where she would go and fetch water the hottest part of the day just to avoid the rejection of the people in her community. And yet she has an encounter with Jesus and the first people that she chooses to tell about her encounter are the very people that have rejected her. Like the encounter that she had with Jesus at the well was so powerful and so deep that she could have easily carried a grudge and been like, I got this experience and I'm super excited about it. It's changed my life. But all these people that have been looking at me sideways, all these people that have said all this stuff about me, like I'm gonna keep this thing to myself. But no, she goes to the very people, the very people that, when she would walk to the well, were whispering out of the side of their mouths about her reputation and what she has done to the very people and says, come, come and see a man that has told me everything that I ever did. You know, it blows my mind. It blows my mind because in those days, women weren't even allowed to be a witness in the court of law because they were considered so unreliable. And yet Jesus uses her. Like Jesus uses this woman that would be considered so unreliable. This woman that has so much baggage from her past, he uses her and it made me think this morning of how God has this he has this habit, that God has this habit of using the unlikely to do the impossible. And I think about that in my life, that's my story. I don't know about your story, but the encouragement from that is that no matter what your life looks like in the rear view mirror, no matter what you've done, no matter where you are on the journey of your relationship with God, it does not pull you out of the promise that God wants to do immeasurably more than you might ever ask or think or even dream of. You know, it also blows my mind that, that God would use this woman in these days, in this age, her testimony to end up being a catalyst of what we're gonna read here in a few minutes, a catalyst for an all-out revival in her community. I mean, think about it. Think about this woman that just an hour or two hours or however long that conversation was beforehand, that everybody as she left the village all by herself knew why she was walking all by herself. And here this woman makes her way to the well all by herself. And then she comes back screaming, come 
and see. I mean, think about the people in the town. Like there is no way they would have ever given her the time of day if they didn't see something different in her. There's no way that she could have came back the same person and them respond in a different way. And it made me think, it made me think what's missing in Christianity today. It made me kind of think this week that, that we tend to believe, but our life never looks any different. Like we tend to, to, to pray a prayer. We tend to check church off of, of the list for our week, but our life never looks different. And here this woman was so transformed by her experience with God that she would go to her town, the very people that ridiculed her, and say, come and see. And there was something so powerful about her experience and what she just like radiated off of her that these people that looked down on her all of a sudden were influenced by her. I mean, it just like, it blows my mind. And in verse 31, it, it, it says this, it says, meanwhile, and this word, this word meanwhile means in the original language that, that while the previous thing is happening, right, while, now I want you to picture it, while, while all these people, she has gone, she said, come and see, all of a sudden, all these people are kind of streaming, they're kind of, they're kind of walking, beginning to make their way up to the well, and meanwhile, while that's happening, there's this little side conversation that happens with Jesus and his disciples. Here's what the disciples say to Jesus. They begin to urge him, Rabbi, you got to eat something. Listen, you've been out here. You sent us to go get food. You've been out here with this woman. You've got to eat something. And watch what Jesus says in verse 32. It's, he says, I have a kind of food, guys, that you know nothing about. Now, the next part is just hilarious. Watch, watch what their response is. Did somebody bring Jesus a cheeseburger? Like, <laughs> did somebody bring him some food that, that we're not aware of while we're, we're gone? And what, what I love about that and what makes that, that response to me so hilarious is that I can see myself in those guys. Like, I don't know if you can see yourself in those guys, but I, there's been a lot of times that Jesus has been doing something in my midst in the season that I've been walking through that has just gone totally over my head, right? Like working behind the scenes, orchestrating some things in my life that on the front side, I don't see that I'm not even aware of that. I totally just are, are clueless that God is at work, totally oblivious. And, and that's what's happening in this moment with these disciples. They're getting so focused on the physical, on the food. And Jesus is all about the spiritual and what's happening. And, and look what Jesus tells them in verse 34. Jesus says, my nourishment. He's like, guys, my nourishment, it comes not from cheeseburgers, <laughs> not from rice and beans. My nourishment comes from doing the will of God and from finishing his work. 
I mean, could you? I mean, put yourself in the disciples' sandals, right? In the moment, like, can you imagine, like, Jesus would respond like, like the nourishment for him is not the food. This guy hasn't eaten. It's a hot day. Like, that's not his nourishment. Jesus is like, my nourishment is doing the will of the Father in my life. Now, don't, don't misunderstand Jesus. He's not saying that um, we're more spiritual the less we eat. And thank the Lord. I look like I'm super spiritual this morning. But... <clears throat> But we can't miss this point, that what Jesus is saying is that there's, that there's nothing more satisfying in our life than doing the will of the Father. And I thought about John 15, and I thought about when, when Jesus talked about the kind of life that, that overflows with joy, Jesus connected that two verses before to the, the kind of people that live a life that is, is not just fruitful, but more fruitful. He said, when you live a life where you are, are fruitful in your life, you're making an impact, you're making a difference in the lives of others. Jesus said in John 15 that, that joy overflows in your life. And, and I can't help but to see the connection between what Jesus was leaving for you and I as a kind of a motto for our life and how he lived his own life. And then it happens. Jesus sees the, the crowd, the head of, of the people and the, the silhouettes of the bodies of the people began to kind of crest over the, the, the hills and began to make their way. And Jesus does this. He, he changes the metaphor. Like Jesus goes with his disciples from the metaphor of eating and he switches to the metaphor of farming. And this is what he, he says to him. Picture this, like the crowd's not there yet. These guys are hanging around the well, having a side conversation, and all of a sudden, these people that are streaming up towards the well, towards Jesus, catches Jesus' eyes, and he looks at the disciples, he switches gears from eating to farming, and he says this to them. He says, guys, you know the saying, right? You know the saying that four months between planting and harvest... He says, hey guys, hey guys, wake up, look around. And I could see Jesus like, like look around and pointing at all of these people that are beginning to stream up towards Jesus. And he says, the fields, the fields are already ripe harvest. I love this. I mean, Jesus is pointing out to them, like, you know, that this planting thing and you know, the, where you plant seed and then you sit around for four months and you're just kind of curious and expecting and what kind of crop are we going to, are we going to get? And he's like, oh boys, it's like, oh boys, wake up. And look around, do you see the people 
coming. The fields are already ripe for harvest. And then Jesus gives them this promise as, they, as they're watching this crowd begin to, to walk up towards the well. He says in verse 36, the harvesters, they're paid good wages. And the fruit that they harvest are people brought to eternal life. Like Jesus is like, guys, there is a greater reward in heaven for the kind of people that live a life that's not me-centric, but God-centric. That there is a greater reward for the kind of people that live their life that's looking for the harvest, looking at, at the people that they come into contact with on a daily basis and how they can bring them to eternal life. And Jesus says this, he's like, oh, what joy awaits. Like, I can hear Jesus, like, it's the, oh, like, you have no idea what joy awaits you in eternity when you have focused your life on my kingdom, not your kingdom. And Jesus is like, guys, oh, the joy, the joy that awaits for both the planter and the harvester. Like the ones, that, the ones that have conversations with people, but nothing really happens. And the ones that did none of the work, but they show up and they say, hey, would you go to church with me on Easter Sunday? Having no idea that grandparents and parents and friends have sowed seed for years. And all of a sudden the response was like, man, I didn't think anybody would ever ask me. <laughs> and Jesus is like, what joy awaits for the planter and the harvester alike. He says, you know the saying that one plants and another harvest? Jesus is like, that's true. Like it's true that the building the kingdom is a team thing. Like it's teamwork, it's, we recognize the role that God has us playing and we, and we join the team and we do our role with all of our heart and then, and then he looks at him and he says in verse 38 that, guys, I've, I've brought you here. I've brought you here for such a time as this to harvest where you didn't plant that others have already done the work. Others have already done the work. Now you don't have to. Now you get to gather the harvest. And church, I believe with all of my heart that God is speaking that same thing to us in this church, that I believe with all of my heart that this is a prophetic word for this house in this season. Did you know that this year we celebrate our 65 year old birthday as a church?
That's a lot of seed sown. It's a lot of grandparents praying for their kids and their grandbabies. It's a lot of kids that got reached through a youth outreach and their parents are addicted to drugs and alcohol and the kid's life has been transformed and that kid is believing that God does something in the life of their parents. That, that's years of parents praying for their kids to get off drugs and to have not just a, a raise my hand like I believe experience, but to have an encounter with Jesus at the well to be filled with the living water. That's years of tears cried. That's years of prayers prayed. That's years of ministry given. Church, I believe that the word of the Lord for this house in this season is to wake up and look around. To wake up and look around that it's time to gather the harvest. Check this out. There's only one thing that can keep this prophetic word from coming to pass. And Jesus spoke about it in Matthew chapter nine. He said this, he said, the harvest is great. But what did he say about the workers? They're few. What's the only thing that would keep Transformation Church from reaping the harvest of 65 years of obedience and faithfulness and prayers and blood, sweat, and tears and lost fingers from building the, the original church? Like, that, that's part of the story too. What would keep that from happening? It's not a lack of harvest, it's a lack of workers, a lack of laborers, a lack of people that would roll up their sleeves, a lack of people that, that would say, you know what, I'm going to live my life not about me and my desires and my wants and my needs. I'm going to live my life about the kingdom. Like I'm going to, I'm going to like a pair of glasses. I'm going to put kingdom glasses over my life and everything that I look at, everything that I experience in my life is going to look through the lens of kingdom. Not through the lens of retirement, not through the lens of, 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 of you know, having uh, an influential job, not through the lens of, of finally being able to get married or, or have kids, and all those things are great desires and wishes. But, but the question I think that Jesus is throwing out and the challenge for all of us today in our own lives, including myself, is am I going to wear kingdom glasses in my life? Am I going to allow kingdom to determine the decisions that I make and the priorities of my life? Or am I going to allow my own wants and desires and goals to determine that? And I thank God. I thank God that many of you are, you serve on the dream team and you're faithfully here, like, like you are serving and you loving on people when they come in and, and you are faithful, but this is what my prayer my prayer is that, that God would continue to send to us laborers from the north, the south, the east, and the west. That this would be a church full of people that will roll up their sleeves 
that will be all about the kingdom business with the desire in their heart to not let anybody from Tallahassee go to hell. Church, here's my, hear my heart. If you've been around a little bit, you know, when I say hear my heart, here comes a heavy statement. <laughs> I tell Andrea that when we were talking and I got to say something that's kind of heavy. I say, hear my heart because my personality, it doesn't always come out. I got to say some words to get to the end, end game. But fortunately, I've, I've written all this out. So you get, you get the polished version of it. <laughs> The biggest threat to the purposes of God in the 21st century is people who call themselves Christians but aren't actually interested in following Christ. Check it off a box. They can attend church because that's expected of them. They've always done it. But when we walk out these doors, when we log off online today, does our life radiate from the encounter that we are having with Jesus to the point where the people that we come into contact with can see something different about us? I think 21st century Christians have a tendency to want to be close enough to Jesus to get all of the benefits, but not so close that it requires something of them. Church, let that not be the story told of our church in 10 years at our 75 year anniversary. May the story that's told of our church be that Transformation Church is a, a church full of people that are about the Father's business, full of people that are wearing kingdom glasses and looking at every opportunity and every encounter and every influential experience and moment in their life through the lens of what would God have of me do in this moment or with this relationship. And then John, he switches. He switches from the interaction of Jesus with his disciples back to the story at hand about the Samaritan woman and the people streaming up and he gives this conclusion to the story. He says this in verse 39, that many Samaritans from the village, what did they do? They believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything that I ever did. I love this. I love this because an unlikely person has an authentic encounter with Jesus. She chooses to courageously tell her story and it becomes the catalyst that ushers in a move of God that transforms an entire city. John says in verse 40 that when they 
came out to see him, that they begged him to stay in their village. He said, can we, they were like, can we extend this revival? Like, can we add some more, some more days to this revival? And, and so Jesus stays for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. And then they said to this unlikely woman, now we believe, but not just because of what you told us, but because we have encountered Jesus ourselves. And now we know because of that encounter that he is indeed the savior of the world. What a story. A woman comes to the well broken and rejected and hurt and full of shame and confused. And she leaves the well healed, joyful, confident, and with a purpose. For in God has called all of us to steward two stories in our life. The first story is the gospel story, what Jesus did. But the second story that God has called us to steward is our story. The story of what Jesus did in me. And despite all the pain and all the hardship and all the disqualifiers, all the reasons why she could have said, I'm not good enough. I can't do that. Jesus, you don't know my background. You don't know where I've come from. I didn't grow up in church. I don't know the Bible stories. Like all the reasons that she would disqualify herself. She has an encounter with Jesus. And she ends up giving to those who had sinned against her and mistreated her the greatest gift that she could give. The story of how the living water transformed her life. You know, we don't see any other mention of this woman in scripture. So it'd be easy for us to assume that this once bold, this once courageous woman ended up going back into obscurity, but that's not what the history books would reveal. You know, if you were to take some time to dig into the extra biblical, so that's not in the scripture. This is the historical accounts that have been written from the time of Jesus on. And if you were to take some time to, to look through those, here's what you would discover about this unlikely Samaritan woman with a background and with a checkered past, that this woman would become one of the most influential apostles 
in the early church, yes, I said apostles. That in fact, her name was as well known by the early church as the names of the original 12 apostles. Do you want to know what her name was? You don't want to know what her name was. These historical records say that after this encounter, this woman was water baptized. And after being water baptized, she changed her name. We don't know what her old name was, but we know what her new name was. Fotini. Do you know what that means? A luminous one. A woman with a background has an authentic encounter with Jesus. She decides to live a life on mission to make a difference in the lives of others. So marked by that encounter, that experience with Jesus, so radiant of the life change that has happened in her life that she takes on this new name that means luminous one. And God uses her, not just to transform, to bring revival to the city there in Samaritan, but God would use her to bring salvation to her family, to government officials, to royalty, and city after city. This woman, Fotini, would become the first recorded evangelist not the first woman evangelist, the first evangelist. In a culture and in a time where women were seen as having very little value, an unlikely woman with a scandalous background has an encounter with Jesus, meaning she comes to a place where she knows God and her life is transformed, she finds freedom. And as a result, she tells everyone to come and see. She discovers her purpose and she shares her story, which changes the lives of not just a city, but of thousands of people across the world. She makes a difference. <laughs> what a woman, what a story. What an example. And oh, church, what a legacy. Last week, Pastor Mike had used this illustration and had talked about the importance of our empty cup and the importance of us coming to the well and our lives being filled with an authentic encounter with Jesus that would transform our lives and, and that our responsibility as followers of Christ is not to sit back and to enjoy our cup, but it's to go to other people that God puts along our path and to invite them back to 
the well. Come and see, is what she said. Come and see, not because she had the solution, but because he had the solution. And it was in the middle of that illustration that Mike was giving that the Lord just gave me a vision in my seat right there of a stage full of cups. A stage full of empty cups that are surrounding the well, that are empty, that are dry. And I believe that the Lord allowed me to see that because he wants our church to do something about it. That on this floor, 150 cups representing some 12,000 people per cup of the city that we live in. And to know that God has called us as a church to walk out of these doors. It's like the old sign that you would see on churches back in the day, the sign that would be at the exit as you leave. Anybody remember those? You are now entering the mission field. Come and see. Come and see what Jesus has done in my life and experience him for yourself. Church, may that be said about me and my life. And may that be said about you and your life. That when we are dead and gone, that we were a people that found our nourishment, not from doing our will, but the will of God and finishing his work. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's message, be sure to share it with your friends and tag us at TransformTLH. Thanks again for listening, and we look forward to seeing your face in the place someday. Have a great week.